Before we get started today, I want to let you know that I've created this free workshop that's really cool and really applicable if you're a yoga teacher already and you want to move your teaching online. It's at quietmind.yoga slash six steps. And it's a workshop where I show you six steps to turn your idea into an online yoga business in the next 90 days or less. So it's very simple, very practical, and you can get started right away. Quietmind.yoga slash six steps. It's free to check it out. It's about 40 minutes. And I share a way that you can work with me in mentoring if you want support. But I give you steps as well to do it all yourself if you want to do it yourself. Quietmind.yoga slash six steps. Check it out. You'll really love it. I think it's going to be really valuable to you. And I hope you enjoy today's episode. One of the biggest misconceptions about yoga is that it's goalless and that it's all about just feeling stretchy in your body. If you go back to the old yoga text and the yoga sutra, there is something called tapas that's extremely important to the practice. And if you actually go back through history, that is what most yogis were practicing, some form of asceticism or tapas. Tapas means discipline, passion, zeal, vigor, and Modern yogis, there's people today right now in 2020 who are practicing tapas as their primary form of yoga in India. And you can look up the guy who's got his arm up overhead and he's had it there his whole life and he's never let his arm down and it's atrophied. And it's a demonstration of his willpower, his discipline, his commitment, his follow through and keeping his word. And there's a great interview with him where he talks about how he wants to be a model and like someone asked him, why does he do this? Well, it's to show people what's possible. It's to show people that we can overcome our perceived limitations. And he talks about how after a while, it stopped, he stopped feeling it, right? At first it was really painful and he's had times where it's very painful and now it's just nothing and there's no feeling into it. And he just keeps his arm up like that all year for his whole life now he's kept it up. So you can look up people like that or the guy who doesn't eat, and he's been studied a couple of times by different scientists. And his tapas is going and looking at the sun every day. And he says that's where he gets his nourishment. And it creates this sort of nectar that comes out the back of his throat. And that's all the nourishment he needs. And he doesn't eat, doesn't go to the bathroom. And he's been in different studies where scientists watch him for several days. And they report that they did not see him go to the bathroom or eat anything. So this is forms of tapas. Now, in modern day yoga, we might think of this as doing boat pose for five minutes, which I actually was in a contest, a competition once with one of my teacher trainings, and it was me and a couple other young guys, and this older yogi has been practicing for 30 years, who did not look like somebody you would think, that dude's got strong abs, uh, but he beat us both by far, and me and this other young guy did pretty well in this pose, holding boat pose for several minutes low boat pose so it's even more challenging and we made it a couple minutes but he made it five minutes and they just stopped the clock because he could have kept going and that's example of tapas again it wasn't a muscular effort it's a spiritual energetic strength and discipline and force that we can cultivate and it's not about just doing a bunch of challenging yoga postures it's not necessarily about keeping your arm up overhead because if you're watching this, that's probably not the path that you've gone in this life and maybe that's not something you're appealing to, but you do want to be able to follow through on what you say you're going to do. You do want to have discipline, self-control, willpower, 
if you're going to change your diet, you want to be able to follow through with that and not slip back. So I'm going to present here 10 yogic ways that you can build your self-discipline and willpower or tapas. So number one is moving towards challenges. So this is one of the key teachings of all Eastern philosophy is we can either move towards something that we want or away from things we don't want. There's this craving for good, aversion of bad. And every time that we get locked into that craving and aversion, the cycle of pleasure and pain, avoidance and sort of desire, that is going to attach us to our ego and craving. And it's sort of a bottomless pit that we can keep going down. As you've probably experienced, if you think you really want this possession and you get that possession, then that desire is just gone and now it's quickly moved on to something else. Now you want this other possession over there. So that craving never ends and that aversion can never end either as we're seeing very well in 2020 with the amount of fear that comes up around different things to do with the lockdown. One day it's this fear, next day it's that fear and the media is constantly focused on what you need to avoid. So it's not the best place to go to practice yogic practices it's going to constantly be telling you what to be afraid of and what to avoid. So the yogi is one who is no longer affected by the pairs of opposites. In fact, when we face challenges and there's obstacles in our lives and things that are in our way, maybe pushing us to grow, maybe there's a conflict in relationship, maybe there's something you're trying to do in your career or your personal goals, and then there's some obstacle that comes in the way, the yogic approach is to lean into it, to have the difficult conversations, to take the necessary actions, to move in the direction that you feel called towards. Of The second concept here is following your dharma. So it's getting clear in what's true for you, what's in alignment for you, where do I feel called, who do I feel called to become, and how can I move in that direction with one small step today. And inevitably, you'll take a small step and then some obstacle will come up. And maybe it's you want to start a new diet to feel better in your body, uh, but then somebody brings you a bunch of cookies as a gift. So how do you engage with that? Do you just uh, lose all willpower and just throw it off? Do you avoid it? And how can you lean into it and, and grow from that challenge? Maybe there's a conflict in relationship. You want to have a really good relationship, but these conflicts keep coming up. Do you just say, screw it, I don't want to deal with that? Or do you go into it and say, how can we work through this? Like, what do we need to address? The third thing, getting very practical, and you've probably seen this book called Make Your Bed. It's a great book about starting your day with self-discipline. It's exactly in the title. It's just starting your day by making your bed. So you have a small victory of willpower and discipline every day. And one little trick for that that I've found is I have a sort of blanket I cover up with that's not my main bedding. So I don't have to make the bed because it's always made. I just have to tidy it up a little bit and then fold up the blanket that I used to cover up with. Works for me most of the time, but not always. So that's a little trick you can work with that. But having that practice of doing something in the morning that is going to set you up to say, okay, I know that this feels good. It doesn't, I mean, I'd rather have a clean made bed than a messy bed, right? It's going to help me feel a little clearer and a little more energized to start the day. And every time I walk past that bed throughout the day, I feel this sense of like, uh, it's done and I can move on to other things. And you probably experience when you have a messy bed, it's sort of this nagging feeling that it's like left undone that you could always go back to, but you've got other things to do. So that's where it goes to our fourth suggestion here is 
having a morning routine of some sort. So get up, make your bed, and then have something you do every morning consistently that you know nourishes you. And it's changed for me many times over the years, and I think it should change for us as we grow and adapt. I'm not going to have the same morning routine as a toddler or a school kid or a teenager or an adult, and the same thing in different phases of life as an adult. So right now, currently, I get up, I take a shower, go to the gym, come home, and start working. And then that's my morning routine. So it's pretty consistent, and I get excited for it every night before bed. And every step of the way, there's little sort of rewards of working out and then having my post-workout smoothie and my pre-workout drink and uh, getting to do my work and getting to interact with my students. So whatever it is for you that you know is important, like those things are all very high priority. And if I ended the day without doing any of those things, I would feel very disappointed, right? And I also do some minor stretching in the morning, but I do more in the evening. But this is just the morning routine is the best place to start if you want to build discipline. And I've done kundalini yoga for many years. A big part of that is the morning sadhana. And a lot of the old yogic teachers would, would recommend practicing first thing in the morning because in a lot of modern research shows, that's the best way to start a new habit is to have it be first thing in the morning. So roll out of bed, do your morning routine. It could be drinking lemon water. It could be doing stretches, doing yoga, meditation. It could be uh, going for a walk, whatever it is for you. If you have a dog, it's probably going to involve going for a walk. So that's a nice little bonus bit of advice if you don't have a dog and you want to be doing morning walks uh, you kind of have to if you get a dog and then so the next suggestion here number five is doing a yoga practice so we're talking about tapas we're talking about the eight limbs of yoga so you certainly of course yoga is going to be in here but hatha yoga is one of the more common practices done today and most people know vinyasa yoga which is sort of a sped up version of hatha yoga with a lot of quick movements. Hatha means force. So this is another one of these misunderstandings of yoga. It's, it's all about peace and people will say zenning out and I cringe every time I hear that. Uh, definitely there is a creating of peace. There is, there is that practice within it. That is part of it. We want to practice contentment like I mentioned before. Uh, we want to practice cleanliness like I've mentioned before. These are part of the eight limbs of yoga. But tapas is is where we see how hatha yoga forms. So hatha yoga means force and it became in this ascetic practice of doing very strong things with the body and sort of pushing its limits and doing things like hanging upside down from a tree for several hours, keeping your arm up in the air for several years. Uh, things like this that are very challenging and stressful on the body to transcend pain, to transcend limitations and mental limitations. Again, something I've learned from the Kundalini practice is I've done several countless meditations, practices where you keep your arms up overhead for 10 minutes, 60 minutes. In one case, an entire six-hour day. Very, very uh, challenging, but it makes you very aware of your perceived limitations and what happens when you shut that off and you just challenge yourself. And this carries over into everything because now I've, I've noticed that my mind can trick me. It can say, you know, you can't do any more, but I can actually do more and I don't get injured and it's fine. And I've talked to my physical therapist teacher about this and he says, there's something about the spiritual energy that transcends the physical and he's a very practical, grounded guy. 
So when you get tap into that energetic quality of just keeping your arms elevated without effort, without force, more of an allowing, all right? So this tapas is not about how much can you grunt and force and push your way through it, but it is strength, it is transformation, it is discipline, and it's a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual strength that is energetic. Where does it come from? Well, being aware of your breath, not adding tension to your body, and being patient. So doing yoga practices like hatha yoga, where you hold poses in very strong ways for several breaths, is a great way to practice is doing vinyasa yoga where you move quickly and challenge yourself. That is tapas, right? It's a more modern version of it, but that's definitely it. And then another suggestion, as I mentioned already, would be working out. So doing some sort of physical exercise where you're pushing your body with weights to its physical limits. Right? So that kind of speaks for itself. So I'm going to move on now again to the next one is meditation. So now this is where you engage with the more energetic limitations and limits of your mind so that you can work through those and transcend them. So you can say, I'm going to sit in stillness for 10 minutes, 30 minutes, 60 minutes. Uh, if you have discomfort, pain in your back, of course, adjust your posture, do what you need to, to sit comfortably, maybe even do legs of the wall or shavasana to meditate. But I would strongly encourage you to meet those limitations and challenges and see what's on the other side. That's the, one of the best ways to practice tapas, to build your willpower, to build your discipline and self-discipline. Self and I've done meditation retreats and the 10-day Vipassana retreat is a great example of this where for 10 days, I sat for about 10 hours each day doing nothing but meditating. It's very repetitive, very monotonous, but it didn't really get boring. It was it was a, an enlightening experience to show how much my mind could get hooked on different things and how much aversion was still within me. We would do a body scan. And this is something that you can do as well as doing body scan meditations like yoga nidra and noticing if there are certain areas where you just don't go there. Every time we would do the body scan and get to my stomach, I would just check out. So it'd be an hour long meditation spend like 20 minutes scanning my whole body. I feel everything, get to my stomach, and then I'm just gone. Like I'm thinking about everything else, remembering old songs, stories, experiences, and then the hour is done. And I'm like, what happened? Right? So that was the first six days of my Vipassana retreat. And then on the seventh day, I was finally like broke through that resistance and aversion, seven days of 10 hour meditation. I finally broke through that aversion and felt my stomach. And I had digestive issues for years before this. And I had done everything you could think of to try to work with it. And things did help, but it kept coming back. This Since, this, since then, it has significantly decreased. Other things have definitely helped, uh, but it's a non-issue at this point. And I contribute a lot of it to that experience of being with that resistance and getting through it in meditation. So body scan meditation like Vipassana and noticing where you check out and persistently coming back to it. I'm going to feel this body part. I'm going to see what's there. And in my stomach, I mean, there's so much incredible research on the vagal nerve and how trauma affects our digestion and our bodies freeze up. And I had a lot of that in my childhood that was worked through. It brought to the surface and I was able to work through it over the coming months after that experience. I had a really powerful experience in a men's group for a whole another topic 
but I got to tap into the power, the tapas that was in my stomach that was unexpressed and expressive. So that can be a powerful experience for you in a way to practice this. Next would be a version of meditation is pranayama. So this is controlling the breath, controlling the prana, the life force. This is the most overt example of what we're doing here, of creating discipline and self-discipline and tapas by controlling the prana that comes through the body, which we can do through diet, we can do through sunlight, uh, we can do through our environment. But the most direct access point is the breathing. So things like alternate nostril breath or breathing into one nostril, the left side if you want to increase the yin qualities, the right side if you want to increase the yang qualities within you, and the alternate nostril breathing to increase and balance both. Those are really great practices. Holding the breath in increases the tapas, increases the more yang qualities of tapas. And uh, equal exhale, but emphasizing inhaling and holding the breath will increase these more tapas qualities. Now, these aren't things you can do quickly, right? There's no get tapas quick scheme here, unfortunately. It takes long, t- long time, a long time. There we go. It takes a, it takes a long time and some self-control, self-discipline to build self-discipline, right? And you take small steps, and this is why... Some old yoga teachers and meditation teachers would say, well, you know, you want to meditate, but you feel like you can't. Start with one minute. Just make it like a simple thing that you can succeed with. One minute a day. And then move on to three minutes. Then ten minutes. You know, and eventually you can practice more consistently and find things that you like. It's going to be a lot easier to do the things that you like, like it's hatha or vinyasa or yin, and start doing that more regularly an hour, three times a week, an hour, five times a week then maybe do a retreat of some sort or longer, more in-depth meditation or practice. That's an extensive period where you get to practice this longer. And that's when you really start to see how you can build this. The next suggestion is mantra, another form of meditation. Now, this is something you can do anywhere. Just put on a recording. Any sort of music app now has tons of great mantra recordings Krishna Das is great, and you can just chant along. Even if you don't know what it means exactly, he would say, Krishna Das, the singer of many of these great mantras, would say, it all just means love. So you're just chanting with devotion, love, the uh, bhakti yoga. So that can come through in mantra, and that's a way you can practice very, if you're uh, having a hard time with the other stuff. Mantra in the old yogic text is the first recommendation. They recommend chanting Om. If you could do nothing else, if everything else is just like, nah, it doesn't resonate, that's too much, don't want to do it. If you just chant Om regularly, that will get you there. That will create this experience of tapas that we're talking about here. The next suggestion is doing some sort of selfless service, seva. And as Gandhi would say, if you want to find yourself, lose yourself in service to others. So you can Get out of your head, get out of your own fears and worries, and I'm not disciplined, I can't do that. Just go help somebody. And it could be in your work, but a great way to experience this really is to do something that has zero direct benefit to you. It's not going to increase your income, you're you're not going to get any points for it, it's not going to be on social media, you're just doing it to serve other people who need help. That is an incredible way to increase self-discipline and tapas. The reward in that is 
incredible. If you haven't done it yet, I recommend looking up some local food shelters, food banks, uh, homeless shelters. These places could almost always need help. Or if you have a specific skill that you can volunteer and help someone else with or mentor someone else with, that is a way to practice seva or selfless service as well. So those are my suggestions here of how you can begin to increase your self-discipline, your willpower, the tapas that creates transformation. So we get to the other side of saying, I can't do this, I can't do it. Oh, wow, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. Wow, I can actually do it. So you kind of trick your mind into going beyond its perceived limitations in one respect. Maybe it's making your bed, maybe it's doing yoga, maybe it's meditating. And then it translates into other areas of maybe you're struggling with your finances or relationships, but you can get the making the bed thing down. You can do the mantra for five minutes a day. And then it's going to start to carry over. We're like, wait a minute, I've, I've overcome my perceived limitations. I am more disciplined than I thought. It's not so hard to say no to the cookies. It's not as hard to have the difficult conversation with my partner anymore. And of course, we have contentment as well. This is the eight limbs of yoga path. So before tapas is contentment. So we're not saying like Gary V and all this stuff, like you need to hustle harder and push and push and push. And if you're not working 23 hours a day, you're not doing enough, right? That's all coming from a scarcity mentality, a fear-based mentality of not enough. We know that we are enough. And when we take these actions, it's from that place of knowing that we're enough and that we can take one small step in alignment with our path. And it might look like massive steps. It might look like a lot of action some days, but inevitably in every single case of everybody that I've engaged with and studied and experienced myself, there will be a time where you need to rest too. And yoga has that built in where you, there are times where you need to rest and recharge and recenter and find your contentment again and know that you're doing enough and then you can come back and, again, apply the tapas of pushing yourself a little bit more, going beyond your comfort zone. And that comfort zone just keeps expanding over time. And before you know it, who you are now is a long stretch from who you were a year ago, five years ago. And I can definitely say that's the case for me as I continue to learn and practice this tapas with small little commitments step by step. I hope this helped you get some ideas for how you can build your own self-discipline and willpower. And as... BKS Iyengar would say, discipline is the ultimate freedom. We think it's bondage, but it's not bondage. Not having discipline is bondage. When we have discipline, we know where to direct our energy. We can harness energy. The root chakra is all about building energy, and we can collect it and build it in the direction that we want to go, our foundation, our roots. And then when we take action, the third chakra, we can move forward with discipline, willpower, and commitment and follow through on the things that we say we're going to do and ultimately come into our heart and serve others. So if you found this helpful, please leave a comment below, like, and subscribe so you can be notified when new videos like this come out. And if you're listening on the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review in Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening and I hope you have a great rest of your day.